Hi, my name is Pat Jaxie. Today's scripture reading comes from Titus, chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This is the word of the Lord. Hey Grace 242. In 1940, Walt Disney Pictures released its animated adaptation of the children's novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio. In the movie, a conniving fox and cat lure Pinocchio onto a stagecoach, which takes Pinocchio to a place called Pleasure Island. Upon arrival, Pleasure Island appears to be a place of freedom where you can do whatever you want. The children on Pleasure Island are able to do whatever they want, whenever they want it, including indulging in many of the classic vices in life. What Pinocchio doesn't know is that Pleasure Island has a dark secret. As the children on the island indulge in whatever they want, they're eventually changed into donkeys. The donkeys are then captured, imprisoned, and sold into forced labor. Pinocchio arrived to Pleasure Island thinking it was the destination of ultimate freedom. You could do whatever you want, whenever you wanted it. What Pinocchio eventually realized is that it wasn't an island of freedom at all. It was an island of slavery. What Pinocchio learned is that Pleasure Island wasn't freedom. It was slavery. We're starting a new series today that will take us to Advent called How to Live in an Evil World, where we'll be studying the book of Titus. Turn with me to the passage that inspired this series. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Paul instructs Titus to live in the evil world of Paul and Titus's day, AD 63 at the time that Paul is writing this letter. And we are instructed to live in the evil world of our day. Perhaps our world is just as evil as it's always been, but I think in recent years that evil has moved out more blatantly into the open. Just this week I heard an interviewer ask a gubernatorial candidate about the high cost of living and the rising inflation. And this candidate, in their answer, tied unwanted pregnancies to the higher cost of living, as if to say it's the fault of unwanted children that costs are going up. I can't believe people are saying these things out loud. It's so pernicious. So how do we live in the evil world of our day? Paul writes to Titus, instructing him to live in the evil world of AD 63. And we're in this series going to look at how we can live in our evil world of 2022. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1, and we'll read verses 4 and 5. Paul says, I am writing to Titus, my true son, in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Paul is writing to Titus, who is a young man who came to faith in Jesus most likely from Paul's ministry. Titus is stationed on the island of Crete where he was tasked with raising up elders and leaders in the churches there. Crete had a reputation as a rough place. It was its own sort of pleasure island. Paul even quotes a philosopher who had lived in Crete 600 years earlier. Look at what this Cretan philosopher says about Crete in Titus 1.12. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, 
The people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. In the movie Star Wars A New Hope, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi arrive to the city of Mos Eisley, and Obi-Wan has this to say about that city. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Now this moment in the movie has generated some pretty fantastic memes, and I have two to share with you today. I think every American can resonate with this first one. And this second one might be harder to see, but that is Soldier Field, or the home stadium of the Chicago Bears in that bottom frame. Although with the way the Packers are melting down, I don't think we're in a position to do much trash talking these days. Crete was the most Eisley of the Roman Empire. People looked at Crete and said, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. It was known as a place where evil ran rampant. It was its own pleasure island. So the book of Titus remains incredibly relevant for us today. Titus was learning how to live the truth of Christ amid the evil of Crete. And today we must learn how to live the truth of Christ amidst the evil of 2022. Turn with me to our scripture reading that Pat read for us today. Let's look at the very first verse of Titus. Let's look at Titus 1.1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Look at the second half of that verse. Paul writes that his purpose is to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. And that's exactly what Paul does in the book of Titus over and over again in this letter. Paul says that the truth leads to godly living. And this is the pattern of the book of Titus. The truth of Christ leads to godly living. We get truth of Christ, which points us to godly living. So just like Titus, we're living in a world where truth is scarce. And therefore, godly living feels more scarce than ever. So in a world where truth is scarce and godly living feels scarce, What's the truth that leads to godly living for us today? We want to find a truth that leads to godly living for us today. Look earlier in verse 1. Paul refers to himself as a slave of God. Now that term slave might make us uncomfortable, especially because of our nation's increased sensitivity to our horrible chapter of slavery. Earlier this year, the game Wordle even banned the word slave from the game. The word slave might make us pretty uncomfortable today, and it certainly would have stirred feelings of discomfort in the recipients of the letter back in Paul's day of AD 63. Because in the Roman Empire, a slave was the property of an owner. The slave was the property of the master. And therefore, slaves had very limited rights. So by using slave, Paul is using a very charged term here. We asked, what's the truth of Christ that leads to godly living for us today? And Paul is hinting at that truth here in 1 verse 1 by using the term slave. I've titled this message, The Myth of Freedom, because the truth of Christ for us today is that there are only two options. Option one is slavery to sin, and option two is slavery to Christ. There are only two options for us. Let's look at the first option, slavery to sin. Turn to Titus 3 verse 3, and Paul is going to illustrate what it looks like to be enslaved to sin. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Paul says we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. I think all of us know what it's like to be addicted to something. 
Some of us jokingly admit that we're addicted to something as simple as coffee. Many of you might accuse me of being addicted to Chick-fil-A and you'd be right. But many of us know the serious addictions like addiction to pornography, addiction to alcohol, maybe a prescription drug addiction. When I was a youth pastor, I had a student who was addicted to energy drinks like Monster. And he was so addicted and drank so many of these per day that his pediatrician told him he needed to stop drinking energy drinks because his body was already experiencing unhealthy side effects. And he was only in middle school. In recent years, the field of psychology has coined the term nomophobia, which is short for no mobile phobia. Psychology Today says that nomophobia is the fear of being without access to a working smartphone. How many of us have anxiety when we're separated from our phones, when we're separated from our devices? What Paul is getting at here is that all sin is enslavement. And you can see this most obviously in those addictions that we mentioned before, but all sin is enslavement. For instance, unforgiveness is its own form of enslavement because you refuse to forgive somebody, you hold on to a grudge, you hold on to anger, you hold on to bitterness, and you imprison yourself in this world where you will not forgive that person and you hold on to all of the hurt and all the pain and all the anger toward the person that you will not forgive. Sin is enslavement. A friend of mine told me a story about his son who had some friends overnight. And before the boys went to sleep, the parents collected all the phones because in their household, there's a rule that kids don't have screens in their rooms, especially at night. And so they collected all the phones, which I think is a great rule. Every parent ought to have a rule about no screens in the room at night. So they collected all the phones and one of the boys who was staying overnight put up a stink about his phone being taken away. He was complaining like crazy and he would not let it go that his phone got taken away. And it's such a sad story because that boy already, who's only in middle school, he's enslaved to his phone. His phone is his master. What looks like freedom to indulge in whatever we want isn't actually freedom at all. It's slavery. Pinocchio went to Pleasure Island thinking he could do whatever he wanted, but it was a place of slavery, donkeys in cages. When we indulge in these pleasures of the earth, we aren't exercising freedom. We're actually enslaving ourselves and we're enslaving ourselves to a master who wants to destroy us. That boy in my youth ministry thought he could drink as many energy drinks as he wanted, but now he built up an addiction to them and those energy drinks were his master. That other boy who stayed overnight wanted to use his phone all the time, but he had enslaved himself to his phone. His phone became his master. It's not freedom. It's slavery and slavery to a master who wants to destroy us. Look with me at Romans 6.16 where Paul says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. The first option is slavery to sin, but the other option is slavery to Christ. Look at Titus 2 verse 14. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Paul says that Jesus gave his life to free us from slavery to sin. In other words, Jesus purchased us with his life. The cost of our lives has been paid with Jesus's life, and Jesus did so to make us his very own people. 
Our ownership has been transferred. The price of our lives has been paid in order to transfer our ownership from sin to Christ. Jesus bought us at the cost of his life so that ownership of us could be transferred away from the master of sin and transferred to himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And here's the joy of being enslaved to Christ is that Jesus is a much better master. In fact, Jesus is the best master because sin is a master that wants to destroy you. Sin wants to see you ruined. Sin wants to see you drain your bank account on things you can't afford. Sin wants to see you absent from the home because you're too busy getting drunk. Sin wants your marriage destroyed because you're seeking gratification elsewhere. And to put it bluntly, sin wants you in the fires of hell. Conversely, Christ is a good master. Christ is a master whose love extends beyond depths, heights, lengths, and widths that can be understood by those who belong to him. Christ is a master who prepares an eternal home for us in his Father's house. Christ is a master who ensures his abiding, advocating, indwelling presence by giving us his Holy Spirit. Christ is a master who appoints us to good works that he prepared in advance for us to do long ago. Christ is a master who gives us life and life abundant. Christ is a master who promises us resurrected bodies and eternal fellowship with him. Christ is not just a good master. Christ is the best master who works for our eternal good. The truth of God is that if you believe in Jesus, then your ownership has been transferred. Jesus has bought you, purchased you at the cost of his life. It's his life for your life, and your ownership has been transferred out of the hands of the horrible, destructive master of sin and into the hands of Jesus himself. That's the truth of God for us today. And so if that's the truth of God for us, that our ownership has been transferred, that we are now enslaved to Christ Jesus because he purchased us, if that's the truth, then what's the godly living that this ought to lead to? If the truth is that we're now enslaved to Christ, then what's the godly living that ought to result from us being enslaved to Jesus? Here's what commentator Philip Towner says about slavery in the Greco-Roman Empire. A slave's existence was therefore determined by servitude and submission to the authority of the master. This manner of existence was one of complete dependence upon the master owner for subsistence and protection. A slave in the Greco-Roman Empire was entirely and utterly dependent upon the master. I think this is the godly living for us today. That as slaves of Christ, we are completely and utterly dependent upon the master. How do we live in an evil world? We live utterly and completely dependent upon our master Jesus. You want to kick that repeated habit that you can't seem to get rid of? Well, throw yourself at the feet of the good master Jesus. When you're tempted to indulge in something you know is sin and you know is prison, remind yourself out loud, hey, don't do that. That's a prison. That's going back to slavery. You're sick of waking up tired because you stayed up late on your phone. Then ask Jesus, break me out of this bondage. I don't belong to this handcuff of technology. I belong to you, Jesus. The only thing that's worked to break repeated patterns of sin in my life is to cling to my master Jesus and say, I want to be close to you. I love you. I belong to you, Jesus. You bought me with your life. I don't ever want to go back to that master who wants to destroy me. That master of sin wants to kill me. You want what's best for me. I belong to you, Jesus. 
Earlier in this message, we said that the truth of Christ leads to godly living. And the truth of Christ today is that we're enslaved to Christ. And so what's the godly living that ought to result? We clasp the hands of the master who bought us with his life. And as our knuckles whiten under the tightness of our grip, we lift up those clasped fists and say, I belong to him. I'll see you next time, Grace 242.